It's the Ray Lytle Morning Show. Ray Lytle, Greg Bishop. We are joined by Congressman Rodney Davis, who is in town. Are you guys off? Is it still? Uh, when, do, when does when does the Congress go back in session? Tomorrow. Oh, you guys. Are, oh, tomorrow. Yeah. So you're flying back what tonight? Tomorrow. Oh, you fly back tomorrow? Yeah, we'll go back tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Does you got headphones on? Uh, no, Greg wants you to have headphones on yeah, so you can them, hear. Put them headphones on. Because I don't have a big enough neck problem. I got yeah. the 1982 version <laughs> yeah, versus the 79 version. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an upgrade. Hang on. So uh, <laughs> those headphones are stupid old. Right. Like, let, me, let me know if you can hear them because I can find another pair in the. No, no, no. I can good? hear at least out of one ear. Okay, right. yeah. Good. Same here. Yeah, I've got some newer headphones and I can only hear out of one ear too. So we're good. <laughs> Welcome in. Hey, thank you. How are you guys? I'm good. We're, we're talking about we were talking about the Golden Globes earlier. <laughs> you know, Greg's a big award. He watches those award shows. Watch award oh, he shows. loves them. He lo- don't watch the. Award he show. could not get enough Joker this year. It was his, 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 his Joker life. was a good movie, uh, but I was yeah. I, I didn't watch the award shows. I just saw a, a link on Drudge about Ricky hey, Gervais's you know, uh, comments. And 1917, just, uh, 1917 might be pretty good too. That that won a big award last night. I want to see, see that. Is it even out? It comes out this Friday, I think. It's How do you win an award before it gets? Well, because it's been. I mean, they they send screeners out and stuff. All the voters. Oh, so all the privileged folks who got to see it. Of course. Listen, it's a Hollywood foreign press. They, they've got their screeners out for everything. Uh, <laughs> they I, also got ripped pretty hardcore by Ricky Gervais last night. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> uh, so, listen, there's a lot going on uh, in uh, in Washington. I don't even know where to begin, quite yeah. frankly. I mean, uh, so, before Christmas, uh, the House voted on impeachment, but then the Speaker still holding on to those articles from, from last I saw reported. What's What's going on there? Yeah, I think it's crazy. Uh, it's never happened before in our nation's history to see an impeachment uh, articles approved by the House and then held back from the Senate. Uh, I think it's it's a direct result. I do believe that Speaker Pelosi saw some polling numbers from some of her districts who are in uh, some of her members who are in districts uh, that are you know similar to mine, where impeachment's not working well for the Democrats. And frankly, I think that's the only reason why we were able to get the USMCA passed, which I think was a great thing. Uh, I don't care how it happens if if bad poll numbers and pressure onto the speaker to put it on the floor did it great uh but this process has been flawed from the start uh it's frustrating and uh, if she's going to send it over send it over this week if not then why was it so urgent to do it in the first place we then have uh, something else that uh, is, of course, top of mind, uh, what's going on in Iran. And apparently the speaker is putting together a resolution to say, hey, you know what? We're going to pull back the War Powers Act a bit. I haven't read the resolution myself, but that's always been something people, especially when they're in the executive branch, point to saying, hey, we have these actions we can take within a legal parameter outside of the constitutional uh, power of war going to Congress. Where do you see this going? Is this something that we need to get a hold of, or is this just partisan because Democrats in the House don't like President Trump? Well, I think the the answer is it's partisan and partisan only. This is all about uh, many in the Democrat uh, caucus that I of, of the Democrats that I serve with in the House. They just don't like President Trump. But there are a lot of folks that I think were like me, you know, and I served under President Obama. Uh, you know, we want to give the executive branch who has a lot more information, who you know deals with our military and intelligence leaders on a regular basis. I, I gave them leeway. You know, I can remember in the Obama administration, I'd get criticized by many folks that would even call into your show that would talk about how I wasn't going. I was giving President Obama and his administration too much leeway. Weren't you a little bo- to- weren't you a little bit bothered to hear he was at Mar-a-Lago? 
telling people who simply had enough money to be at Mar-a-Lago that we were getting ready to bomb this general. And yet he didn't he couldn't pick up the phone and tell some congressional leaders. I mean, it looks like it looks like Lindsey Graham might have known. He's not even a congressional leader, is he? I mean, you're telling Mar-a-Lago guests and you you couldn't pick up the phone and 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 tell the majority leader in the Senate or the the Speaker of the House, you couldn't tell them that, hey, you're going to hear some news in the next 20 minutes about something we did. They, they couldn't do that? Well, I'm not aware that any of those conversations have been confirmed, but it's very frustrating that we're in a, we're in a situation in Washington right now where, unfortunately, uh, communication's broken down. And and I blame all sides on that. I, I blame the Democrats. I blame the president, his administration. Uh, we ought to all be able to communicate much better together. Uh, but it's not unusual to have a mission like this not be broadcast uh, to uh, a wide range of elected officials, including myself. Uh, but I certainly wish that we were in a better environment, that there could be better communication. Absolutely, what, right? What does that environment do uh, to this prospect of, you know, some people are worried we could be inching towards World War Three, right? Yep. I mean, because let's, let's just take a moment to reset here. An Iranian general was killed in Iraq, which, yeah, we've got authorization in Iraq, right, to mm-hmm. have forces on the ground to protect the embassy and so on. But when we strike an Iranian official, isn't that somewhat of an act of war against a totally different country? Well, remember, uh, the Quds Force that General Soleimani uh, led right. uh, was a, a force that was the— Similar to what, if you look at what General Petraeus said over the weekend, uh, General Suleimani was what we would consider the director of our CIA and the director of JSOC, or or Joint Services Operation Command. Uh, This was a very powerful individual. And what he's been doing over the last few decades is leading a reign of torture. I mean, let's not negate the fact this was a very bad, bad man. I'm glad and he, and he also, that he's I mean, gone. Uh, he's also, he was a terrorist, let's face it. Right. He is a terrorist. He was, he, was a, he was in charge of money for Iran, and uh, he was funneling it to different terrorist organizations. I mean, he's a bad, invo- he's a he, bad yes, guy. Yes, and he was personally involved yeah. in making sure that uh, regimes like Bashar al-Assad were propped up and oversaw missions, uh, you know, ensured that missions were taking place. So I, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot of people that are somehow against him being taken out. I think they're against the, the you, you said it, the lack of communication before doing so, and maybe the lack of forethought or—, or uh, the Mar-a-Lago thing is troubling, but I mean, there are other things about this that were troubling. I don't think anyone's, I don't think anyone's saying, oh, I love Suleiman. I can't believe they took him out. I don't think anyone's saying that, but I think there are some people that are concerned about how it went down. Well, I think there's, I, I think there are certain, uh, there are certain narratives that are trying to be built that this was somebody who, uh, who didn't have the background that he does. I, I may disagree with you a little bit yeah, there. He right? was a, he was a terrorist. He, he deserved he, to. You know, he he, he deserved did. his fate. There's a warm place in hell, and he's there. Yeah. Talking with Congressman Randy Davis uh, this Monday morning. Uh, you're heading back to Congress next week, or rather uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, so, I mean, we've got this on the table. You've got the impeachment cloud still kind of uh, hanging out there. You had, uh, um, uh, I believe, like a stopgap funding measure. I listen. You know, and Ray and I have talked about this before. Uh, what's going on with the deficit? You know, it, it, it's out of control. We're seeing just massive numbers that I, I can't even you know comprehend. 
have we forgotten about the deficit or is that something that, you know, we're kind of, you know, let's, let's wait until we get control of the house to actually uh, take care of it. What's the politics behind this? Well, this is what you get in a divided government. Uh, obviously, many Democrats were elected on wanting to spend more in certain areas of government. Many Republicans, like me, want to reprioritize how we, we spend dollars in Washington, D.C. I'm not a fan of government shutdowns. I believe we ought to all be able to come together with our priorities when it comes to spending. And frankly, I've had many debates with people in my own party on your guys' show and debates with you, Greg, of of whether or not I, as a member of Congress, should have voted for spending bills in the past that may not have had all of the Republicans. And We voted for a tax cut. I mean, the biggest—wouldn't you think the a big contributor to the deficit has been the tax cut, which— Oh, the no, amount think, of money coming in is a lot less. Well, the amount of money coming in, actually, when you look at— Don't get me wrong. Our studies, spending is way too much. But the amount of money coming in is, is nowhere near what it could have been if we wouldn't have given the, this giant tax cuts to we the have, wealthiest people. No, no, no. That is not true. That, that, right, that fact right there is a talking point that is not true. The overwhelming percentage and majority of the highest percentage of gains in our tax cut bill went to lower and middle income families when you look at a percentage. And when you look at the tax bill, we are at historic economic growth. We are at historic sustained 3.5% unemployment. That tax bill helped energize our economy and ensure that we have tax dollars come in. As a matter of fact, a Wall Street Journal, uh, a, a recent Wall Street Journal editorial mentioned the fact that when you look at how much money has come in on a, on a, on a regular basis, we're at about 80 percent of what was projected to be the pay for during the long term projections that the CBO offered. But you, we chose economic growth and low unemployment and opportunities. Wages are growing. Many more people are off of government programs and into the workforce now. And I believe a good portion of that was because of the tax bill. But when you look at spending, there's a spending problem in Washington. And until people of both parties are willing to sit down and address the drivers of the deficit, the the mandatory spending programs, we have shutdown fights, and I've talked to you about this on this show. We have had shutdown fights over You're, you're fine with the amount of taxes of that, that uh, Amazon pays? Am I fine? Are you fine? I don't Are you know good? the amount of taxes that Amazon pays. I, I know what's been reported is that they're not paying any, but I mean, I, I don't well, know the exact numbers. We don't numbers. know what the facts are because we don't we don't work at the IRS. But I mean, we can get into hyperbole and debate about you know who's paying taxes and who's not. But the bottom line is that tax bill lowered the rate for every single American, and the highest percentage of of tax savings went to lower and middle income families in this country, which is exactly what we said it was going to do. And when we made our corporate rate more competitive globally, we've seen American the American economy grow, and we've seen it grow at a rate that was ridiculed by many before we passed that tax bill. Congressman, how do you um, uh, balance the, the deficit with, uh, you know, the tax cuts, as Ray's talking about, but also with what the president, you know, he's kind of hinted at this, tax cut 2.0, maybe looking at... Uh, you know, uh, more well, tax ways cut, to tax, tax cut 2.0 is really making sure that the individual rates that we lowered for every single American is made permanent. Um, 
it was permanent when it left the House. When it came back from the Senate, uh, many senators wouldn't allow that permanency that they did on the the uh, on the corporate side. And I believe American families deserve permanency just like uh, corporations do. And when you look at our small businesses, they actually file under the individual side. We need to protect them. And as a matter of fact, I, I think with this bill was put on the floor, and I'm the main co-sponsor of making these these rates permanent. I, I think you would see a huge bipartisan majority vote for that, and, and frankly, they should. But if we're not willing to address the 75 to almost 80 percent of the budget right now, that we could walk out of Washington, D.C., not go back for an entire year, and you're talking almost 80 percent of the budget of the federal dollars would still be going out the door by law. So we have to save programs for future generations. If if you are on Social Security and Medicare right now and you want your grandkids and the next generation to be able to utilize those programs, then we got to have a serious discussion about extending the solvency of those programs. And no one in Washington is willing to have the guts to do that, and that's frustrating. Congressman, back to the uh, issue with Iran. Um, if there was uh, some kind of vote about trying to rein in the president's power under the War Powers Act, where would you stand on that? Well, I got to see what this is, but I, I think this is nothing more than a showboat, a show vote, a showboat vote. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I I have always given leeway to the executive branch when it comes to uh, foreign affairs. But how much leeway and, should we give? Because I mean, yeah. listen, the Obama administration was doing drone strikes and you know even killed civilians all over the place in Yemen. I'd never seen anywhere that we've declared war on Yemen or given approval for that, right? Uh, we've got actions in Afghanistan that have gone on for, what, almost 20 years now. Uh, where do we draw that line? Because you guys in Congress are the ones who have the power of war, not at an executive uh, in the Constitution. Yes, we have the War Powers Act from decades ago, but... The power of war goes to Congress, and we are we are still we are still operating under the under the uh, Bush era authorization of use of military force. And during the Obama administration, uh, even before he was elected, uh, he, there were promises made that things were going to change. As a matter of fact, uh, that administration proposed an authorization for the use of military force update. And, and what it would have done was to tie their own hands when dealing with terrorists like General Suleimani. So I was not in favor of that. Um, this is something that Speaker Pelosi can address, I think, in a bipartisan way to get a new authorization for the use of military force when it comes to the war on terror, which is what is being waged. Now, I'm just saying our Constitution, to- our Constitution gives you guys, the Congress, the power to declare war and. And Greg's point, uh, had a good point. Listen, you just can't have an executive branch whenever they're open ended. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then by the way, to back it up by saying, "Oh, well, our intelligence showed blah blah blah," and then they say, "What's the intelligence?" Oh, we can't share that with you. We can't. You got to trust us. So where, where I, this we is a lot of there's a lot of shady crap going on here. But but, and it's, but it's been going on for and it's for, not it's not just but, Trump. But, but, it's right, been going right. on. You, you had it. It's, it's been it's going been on. going on since Bush. Right. So and we got into oh, a war then. But do but do we have a different transparency matters? Do you believe that we have a different executive? that is not from that establishment? Do you think that the president doesn't want to go to war with Iran, but this is just like a, you know, listen, I mean, taking out the uh, most powerful general of that country's uh, pretty significant act, but do you think that he is looking for war, or do you think that he's trying to, you know, deter? Well, I think when you look at some of President Trump's comments, uh, he's certainly not looking for war. As a matter of fact, he turned uh, he turned a response force back 
uh, just a few short months ago uh, after Iran provoked uh, the United States. So I don't think that's his, I don't think that's uh, where his natural tendencies would lie. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of surprised that he made the call on General Soleimani. Uh, but if we want to have a debate on the authorization for the use of military force, let's have it. Let's bring it to the House of Representatives. Pick up the phone, call Nancy Pelosi. Let's get Democrats and Republicans together on a new updated authorization for the use of military were, were you, force. Were you bothered at all by his tweets yesterday saying, he is, I've targeted cultural 52 sites. cultural sites, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this, this Twitter post is going to serve as a, an official, what was it, what was it, that this Twitter post is going to serve as a, uh, some type of warning to blah, blah, blah. I mean, come on, here we go. The media post will serve as notification to the United States Congress that should strike, that should Iran strike any U.S. person or target, the United States will quickly and fully strike back, and perhaps in a disproportionate manner, such legal notice is not required but is given nonetheless. I mean, the man did it over Twitter. Are you fine with that? No, I've always said I certainly wish uh, the president and a lot of elected officials would tweet less and govern more. Uh, Twitter's not an acceptable way to uh, to run the country. He, he uh, basically unfortunately... said, it's Twitter, and I just want to let you know, if they do anything, we're going to disproportionately strike them. I mean, that's that's ramping up. That's rhetoric. We're just about out of time here. Uh, Congressman, would you support war with Iran? Oh, I don't think we're anywhere close to having a debate over a war with Iran. But again, back to the action that happened in Iraq was against an Iranian leader. And he ran, and Iran is looking of at the designated terrorist totally organization. Yeah. Totally understand, but that, that, but that designated terrorist organization of Iran is, you know, looking at. They, they've said we're going to attack the White House. We're going to kill Americans. I, mean, I don't think anybody believes that Iran and anybody associated with the Quds Force or some of their Iranian-based militias that are based around the globe uh, didn't have those types of threats in mind against any American. Um, that's what I think a lot of folks are, are are in this political debate over process are not remembering that we've already been provoked. The Iranian-backed militias have fired rockets at our embassy 14 times over the last two months. They attacked our embassy. And that symbolism, when you attack an American embassy overseas, they know that it's American soil. They didn't kill anybody with their most recent burning of the Iraqi of the American embassy in Iraq. But it's a message sent to their organizations that we can fight the great Satan. Something had to be done, and I'm glad this administration did it. I would have supported a Democrat administration if they would have made the same decision. Congressman Ronnie Davis, uh, we've taken up plenty of your time. Greatly appreciate you being in the studio with us. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's a really loud morning show. Let me take a break, guys. got to come back. Greg, we've got news in a moment. It's uh, WMAY. Culver's has chicken tenders, a buffalo and original just for you. It's Culver's West on Wabash. News is next. The only Springfield radio.